With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Tennis.com podcast, Monday, October 8th. I'm Ed McGrogan here in New York with Steve Tigner. We're going to catch up on a very busy weekend of events, um, obviously all overseas. You know, in tennis's calendar, there's always weeks where you see three to four tournaments. That's very common, but it's very uncommon to see where all the events are really worth talking about after in the grand scheme of of the whole tours. And, and this weekend was one of them for sure. You had the China Open. Um, the women's was as good a field basically as you're going to get short of Serena Williams. Um, men's field very strong. And then Japan Open for the men's, which on the surface is probably the clear-cut lowest rung of those three events, arguably even had some of the best uh, and most interesting results to come out of it. So I'll let you kind of start, Steve. What uh, what really strikes from this pretty busy weekend? Yeah, I think all the tournaments were significant. You had Azarenka and Djokovic winning. It sort of feels like they're getting ready to finish the year um, the way they started. They've been, you know, they've been pretty much the most consistent or steadiest players on each tour. But I think more significant maybe or more surprising going forward, more significant going forward is is the Japan tournament where Nishikori beat Raonic in the final. These are two, a 21-year-old and a 22-year-old. We've been waiting obviously for a while for a new group of men to come along. These guys, you know, Raonic we've talked about a lot uh, and he beat Andy Murray in the semi, so that was a significant him after Murray had beaten him pretty easily at the U.S. Open. But Nishikori beating Raonic, that was somewhat of a surprise, at least to me. Uh, he also became the first player to first Japanese player to win the Japan Open, and he beat Burdich along the way, a top five, six player uh, in the quarterfinals. So that, you know, Nishikori's 22. Now maybe expectations begin to form around him, but, but um, you know, a good, a good tournament, a good, a good win for him and a good tournament for maybe a couple of new faces uh, on the ATP. You know, you and I were just mentioning this morning about something you may get into in the future, about how a lot of the players we talk about on tour feel like they've been out there forever, really. And we mentioned kind of the the names, uh, Amagro, things like this. But even a player like Nishikori, honestly, has seemed like he's been around for a while. And you mentioned 22. I honestly didn't even realize that um, it still it is very young. And I feel like he's gone through a um, number of transformations, obviously a lot of injury. He had a little stint with Gilbert there as well. I don't know if that, if there's any, if that's still persisting at all, or Gilbert's kind of consulting elsewhere with query or something like that. But, but Nishikori 
for sure this year, I think he built off what he started doing around this time last year. He had that win against Djokovic um, that, you know, you could, of course, Djokovic just kind of tapped out at that point. But I think we are seeing um, probably the sort of the heightened expectation Nishikor really coming through this year. And, you know, when you see him up close, as we do at the Open each year, you do see the really kind of amazing forehand he has. That certainly is his put away shot and you know what you need to do on the men's tour pretty much anywhere you play yeah I mean he he came he sort of sort of the same thing happened with him at the end of last year he made the semis in Shanghai and then he got to Australia and he beat Sangha there and then um he didn't really continue on, on that on that path or that trajectory so we'll see it again probably see it again to start 2013 the same type of expectations for him he's obviously not the biggest guy on the tour but he's got you know his 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 ground structure about as clean as as they get. So um, so yeah, good another new face to see is and and also good to see Raonic after it, you know making progress. Yeah, I was just about to ask about Raonic and um, he hasn't had the um, I guess the big stamp yet, but um, has I think lately been at least putting himself in the conversation for you know those titles hasn't been hasn't been susceptible to that really early out. Um, and, and I thought overall uh, did, you know, at, at the open, he ran, he played Murray there and that was a night match where I, I think Murray could almost do no wrong at that one. It was almost surprising how much he really disassembled Raonic that match, but um, maybe, uh, maybe of, of Raonic and Nishikori, if you want to do like an early forecast for, for 13, for those two, it's, is there a bigger upside for one guy and the other at this point? Well, maybe in the short term you could see Nishikori. Maybe he's a little further along in his in how he'll far he'll get. Raonic is, has the bigger upside in the long term for sure with that serve. Um, you know, he has two wins over Murray now. He he um, has threatened Federer, taken gone really close with Federer. Uh, so you know, he's really a threat to beat anybody. So yeah, maybe in the short term you could see Nishikori doing a little more, but. Over the years, you have to stick. You know, have to stay with Raonic. He's a year younger. Um, he's already in the top twenty. He, I think, he has. You know, maybe he's not doing as much with his game as he could. He, um, you know, he's been criticized for playing, being you know a big guy who plays in pretty far back in the court and plays like a grinding baseline game outside of his serve. I think that's something he can change and has more room, more room to grow in his game than than Nishikori does. I, th- I think for the you know going switching over to Beijing here, um, it was almost I think perhaps a best case for the WTA with with what they got here. Not just because of you get the the one versus two the finalists, but even in maybe in some ways the outcome. Um, we 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 do see that with Serena out, we go back to this number one. Um, and I think Azarenka really all year has proved um, that she does sort of embrace the title, I I think, of the top spot, the tour. You had that long winning streak at the beginning of the year, and and once she's retained that ranking here, um, you know, getting going against a player that she really has has had surprisingly little trouble against on hard courts, even though Maria can oftentimes be her own worst enemy here. Um, This is a nice win for Azarenka, and she goes um, into WTA Championships, which starts next week. Fairly is next week or last two. week of the month. Yeah, and and sets up very well for that. Uh, she won't be, you know, doesn't have 
Fed Cup, anything else to worry about. I think so. I think with kind of really the finish line in sight for her, I think that's a, you know, I think that's a speaks well to really her chances overall in playing. And I, I don't even know for sure what Serena, if 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 she's even a sure thing for Istanbul. But um, I think overall it sets up nicely for Victoria. Yeah, I think Serena's in the tournament for now. We'll you know we'll see. She sometimes doesn't play. She generally doesn't play a lot at the, after the U.S. Open. Um, Azarenka, this was a, a good win for Azarenka. Sort of a reminder to me for as you look at Azarenka's year, the only person, you know, other than a sort of a freak loss at the French Open to Sibylkova, Azarenka's basically just lost to Serena. That's the main, you know, at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open, that's the person she hasn't been able to get past. Um, and, you know, she's she's handled the other top players other top player, Sharapova, Radwanska, really easily. So, you know, I don't think anyone would say Azarenka is the best woman player in the world. You can't say that. But at the same time, she's a legitimate number one. That's an odd combination, odd thing to say. But I think you can say that now. She's much different as a number one, obviously, than than some of the past Wozniacki, Yankovic, and Safina. Um, so, so, yeah, so she's she's she has... She in the past she has had some trouble maintaining her momentum in the second half of the year. She hasn't had any trouble with that this year. The other side of Beijing with the men's part, I think a little um, more about what's coming up this week for the men in Shanghai, and it, it's a it, it's a nice little story when you consider the top three guys and and what they have what they're coming in off of into this tournament with Murray off of the U.S. Open, Djokovic off this win in. Beijing and then Federer coming, you know, you just have to recall last fall where he was essentially unbeaten. I, he was unbeaten um, after the Open here. And so I think all three have a lot of, uh, you know, clear cachet on on the surface, this tournament. Um, it's a, uh, you can't really say that a Masters is going to define a, a year for any of these guys, of course, of that. But it's, it, it's certainly, I think, adds a little more to a fall season that a lot of us kind of search for some meaning toward. And, and I think all three of these guys really do have a lot to play for this week. Um, you know, and the same could be said for the three runner, right under those guys. I think Sanga, Burdich, all these guys didn't have, had kind of more lopsided losses than necessary this past week. Um, so it should be an interesting Shanghai tournament this week too. Yeah, I think this is, at least for me, it's the upside of a slightly shorter season. You can sort of, you sort of feel that there is a race to the end. There's also usually on the men's side, the number one positions has been decided by the U.S. Open. That's not true this year. And you should also sort of, you can sort of see the finish line a little more easily now that they finish in mid-November instead of in December. And Djokovic... You know, you just, I think Djokovic, Murray, and Federer are all in interesting positions. Federer wants to try to be, you know, win his, get his sixth um, year end number one. Djokovic wants to defend that from last year. And Murray, um, you know, he's he's won this tournament the last two years. So he also, you have to also like his chances here. Uh, I think Djokovic, I picked him to win this tournament. He was, he, he looked like he was in pretty solid sort of, vintage Djokovic form in Beijing last week, even though he was a little sick and, you know, he, I think he's going to be, he's at this point right now, the player to beat. He's also 
I think feels pretty confident about his chances to finish number one. He has a you know he has a decent lead in the points race right now. You made a good point about Djokovic today in that in your post about Shanghai, saying that Djokovic really has eradicated those really freak early round losses from um, his basically his entire season here, and and it, it it's it's kind of far fetched to think of how the top four could be even stronger at the men's tour, but the the one guy who does still seem to kind of throw in those random clunkers is a guy like Murray. And you, and you do wonder with the gold medal, with the open, um, you know, you can't, you certainly can't predict that Murray will go out and win the Australian open. You're going to have debate on that all over the place. But I don't think there's any debate that Murray can still clean up a lot of those really just head scratching. Like why would, why would the guy in world number three lose to second rounder in a, in a big term right here? So I think there is even more for Murray to prove you know, almost regardless of kind of the end result, I just think, I think we're definitely starting to see Murray even mature a little more as a player here. And um, it's, it's been a great year for him. And I think there is even more for him to gain, I guess, coming up is what I mean. I guess that's true at Djokovic, even after his breakout year, even after his big year last year, 2011, this year hasn't been, hasn't been quite that level, but he's been amazingly consistent. It's almost like he's used the confidence from that year to really, you know, a lot of, he seems very confident, calm through early round matches, maybe, maybe more than he used to. Maybe Murray, maybe that's the next step for Murray to be, to get that kind of consistency. Federer and Nadal have had that, had that for years. And that is what, that is what has separated those guys. Yeah. It's, you, you don't see, usually don't see Federer and Nadal Djokovic slogging through at the open, early rounds, all that. And I, I think I think that's Murray's next step, and I think he's quite capable of it, too. So um, that's what's going on this week, Shanghai. A lot of coverage from it here at Tennis.com from Steve, from Pete. Uh, everybody else here, so tune in. We'll determine tournament uh, taking care of from top to bottom here. Thanks for listening. Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.